Greetings and welcome back to the Everyman Global Live series. My name is Egypt McKee and I'll be continuing our study in the brand new series entitled That Guy. If you've been with us thus far, we've seen uh, leadership uh, presented to us through the lives of uh, three really uncommon types of men uh, that we consider to be actual true leaders. We began the first lesson in, with King Saul and looking at some of the upside and the downside of what it's like to be in a position of power and authority. We later looked at a, a Roman oppressor, uh, representative of the military army, the Roman centurion, and his great faith that he expressed so much that Jesus was amazed at the faith that the Roman oppressor literally would have a clear understanding of God's order uh, far before the, uh, the leaders in Israel. And then later we moved into, uh, in the third lesson, we talked uh, about Ananias and his encounter with Saul in laying hands on a brother. And interesting enough, when God calls you to engage uh, with someone who has a really bad reputation, uh, maybe a violent reputation, uh, that always uh, brings us to the, the edge of the cliff on whether our faith is really genuine or if it's really a cover story. Uh, we found that Ananias was an honorable and holy man. He surrendered to God's will. And I pray that uh, the lessons and the teachings thus far this week have brought you to the place as well as a man of God, that you can say, hey, listen, Lord, I'm available, I'm willing, and I hope that I'm able. <laughs> and in doing so, he'll carry us over the threshold one step at a time if we just trust and lean on him. But today, I gotta tell you, before we begin, I wanna encourage you to download the notes by clicking download notes. This is a really important step. I know that not everyone is a, is a big note taker, uh, but a lot of the things that I'm sharing with you, particularly about leadership, because we look at leadership oftentimes as a, as a corporate or business-related uh, function or character trait, but it really isn't. It comes from Scripture. It's the way God has designed us, and there are different aspects of leadership and how we display it, we demonstrate it, we practice it, we strengthen it. Uh, and it's always going to be proven right, wrong, or, or indifferent, effective, ineffective, holy or unholy uh, at the end of the day. And I'm praying that you'll catch a lot of the tidbits, the uh, side notes, the commentary, the perspectives that'll help sharpen your walk with Christ today. But how I want to begin is really this. Let me ask you this. When you think of the phrase, back in the day, Back in the day, that's the good old days, the days of maybe growing up, maybe your growing up years weren't so good at all. Maybe they were pretty traumatic, and I'm sorry if they were, but I gotta tell you, there's a, usually a bright spot somewhere back in the day that we remember the things that called us back to a place of uh, joy. Uh, memories like, uh, you know, playing in the streets till the streetlights came home and you had to be home, sitting at the table, or, uh, do any of you remember a, a time in history where, say, uh, a neighbor, uh, if you were acting a fool or getting out of hand, a neighbor could actually spank you? Uh, actually, public school teachers could spank you, too. Wow, what a novel concept. Uh, people, uh, I don't think they've even heard of such a concept today in today's generation. Maybe there's some of those things as well when you think of back in the day where you know, you had uh, grandparents or uh, great-grandparents uh, who had 
this plastic coating all over the furniture. Does anybody remember that? I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I can still smell my grandfather's house in this hard plastic that covered all the furniture. Never could understand it. I, I get the reason why, but uh, you know the things we do uh, to make memories uh, that last a lifetime, and those things are etched in my memory for a lifetime. Well, what's interesting about memories are we typically remember events that are either great celebrations or great trauma. Uh, usually not the in-betweens. We, we miss out on remembering the names of uh, someone that we were good friends with or had a good time with or maybe played on a sports league with or we worked with for a couple of years but uh, so many years has passed since then we vaguely remember their name, we remember their person, we remember their personality, we remember the things that they represented, but we don't really remember their name. And today in Scripture, we're going to look at someone who was actually labeled in Scripture as uh, the unknown servant, as it were. When you think about making it into Scripture and your name not even being mentioned, is that kind of a slight or a knock? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Lord's going to show us something and reveal to us as men that the purpose in our lives isn't about climbing the highest mountain and uh, claiming victory, that we've made it. Somehow we've made it to the top of the corporate ladder or the ministry ladder or the family ladder or the wealth ladder or the investment ladder or the education ladder, whatever your thing, we are well-versed as men in working hard to get ahead. But yet, we forget that no one does that alone. If you'll remember in a previous lesson, I talked about it taking a village to really be an effective leader. And what exactly does it mean within your village? Well, the beautiful part of the village concept, if you think about the city, uh, the city uh, structure in which Kenny taught on weeks ago, and I love, what I love about the city is that you have this self-sustaining organism that is structured with uh, a postal service, a trash service, uh, a public utility service. You've got housing, you've got infrastructure, you've got all kinds of things where people congregate and they live and they interact and they engage and some of them are in hostility toward one another. Others are worshiping together with others. And there are things that happen within the village dynamic that I want to make sure that we carry forward every single day of our lives as men because we are called to a standard of leadership that is not corporate branded. It is biblically branded by the Holy Spirit. What is leadership? What does it mean to lead? Does it mean to tolerate those who complain, bicker, scream, holler, kick, all the way <laughs> to get to the finish line. They just refuse to comply. Well, leadership is so much more than issuing orders for others to comply with your wishes and your demands. It is so much more than that. It's a tremendous opportunity that God presents to us as men every single day to demonstrate the love of God beginning in our own lives. What good are you to your family if you don't have the kind of prayer life and worship life and study in God's words life? I'll tell you what, if you wanted to be a pilot and you wanted to fly, such as my uh, personal persuasion, helicopters or even fixed wing aircraft, let's just say you wanted to fly aircraft. Do you think they allow anyone to just go down to the 
airport and walk out onto the flight line and just grab any old aircraft and just fire it up and take off without any training whatsoever? And do you even think that you could just jump into that aircraft and safely take off because you've played video games and somehow you know and you feel like you're confident with negotiating all the forces aerodynamically that you might be presented with on a daily basis that would help you to take off, fly, land in all conditions. In a similar way, our faith is very much like that. God uses leadership for us to be able to navigate all the headwinds, the tailwinds, the crosswinds, and all of the dynamics that come with living a life where Christ is demonstrated and represented here on planet Earth through men and through structure of what it means to be a man of God, not so much to dictate that others follow you and copy you, but that you follow the Lord, and if others are then following you, well then, you know what? I commonly say, I don't make the bread, but I know where the bread line is. <laughs> and I'll take you to the bread line so that you can get to the bread maker. Because the bread maker is the one who's going to feed you that spiritual bread that's going to feel, fill you and feed you and sustain you. There's nothing Egypt McKee can do to sustain you. But Jesus can, and I know where he is, and he lives in me, but I know where he is, and I want to be faithful in leading others to him, and I pray that that is your desire, and if that's not your desire, I pray that before we conclude this lesson today, it will be your desire. Listen, you know, when we look all around us, it should come as no surprise to you that people are about themselves. We've heard the expression, you do you. You know, you go, go ahead, you do you. And what exactly does you do you mean? It means you just be released to be whatever it is you want to be, even if it crosses over into my territory, even if it offends me, even if it violently comes against me. You do you. Just get out of my way. Well, you know, there's this hunger and this thirst and this literal lust for fame to be noticed, to be on the front stage with the microphone. I mean, we've seen even what we call reality television which is really not reality at all. It's all very much scripted. It's, it's callous behavior that we actually laugh at. We think it's funny. We look at things like American Idol, even in the name Idol. We want to make an idol out of an individual what? Because they can sing and hold a note? Or do you find it more funny to watch the actual interview reels of those who cannot sing, who believe they can sing and they sound horrible? And then they are faced with the staunch reality that they're terrible. They're just, they're awful and they have no business being behind a microphone. <laughs> and many of them take this news as shock and awe because their friends have told them all along throughout life that they're wonderful, they're great, you sing so beautifully. And yet when it comes time to be tested in the court of reality, that entire dream is shattered and brought to the ground. I have to wonder how many of us have pandered in one way or another our faith. We have coddled really the idea that things are going to work themselves out. This is okay until our faith is tested. Maybe it's tested within a relationship. And I think about the many young men and older men who are single and are hungry and desperate to be married, but yet they believe that marriage has been set as a specific rules that I rule the house and I'll have it my way. Well, you know, that, that that's not going to work too far. I, I tell you, that's not going to go very far at all because 
you know, the balance of husband and wife within the structure of God's defined marriage covenant is uniquely different than what the culture demands of us, that you can still do you. You can still do you and be married. You can still do you and be a Christian, Christ follower, religious person. You can still do you and yet maintain these different characteristics and these different allegiances, these different loyalties. We as men want to be very clear and very focused upon what it is that God calls us to do and just stay in our singular lane. It is an amazing thing when I think about lessons learned and what the scripture teaches us and how we apply lessons learned. Let me ask you today, what have you learned about your ability to deal with or tolerate people who are different from you? Other men in the body of Christ. I mean, everybody's got an Uncle Buck, right? And if you're Buck, I'm not picking on you in any way, shape, or form, so please forgive me. But listen, everyone's got that uncle that, yeah, you kind of feel like at Thanksgiving, you love him because he's family, but if we're being honest, you don't like him. You love him, but you don't like. So love and like are two different things. You know him by name because you assign a, a, a sense of dislike to what you don't like. He's maybe abrasive in his speech or maybe he's wild or unpredictable. You never know what's gonna come out of his mouth or her mouth if it's your aunt. Whatever the case may be, we all have different reactions to different people. I love how God brings men together in the sense of shaping us. Shaping us for God's glory, not for our own. Because if it was about shaping others for my glory, I'd be trying to build up a, a village in, in a, a collective of yes men. No, you the man. 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 I mean, everyone's just talking up and patting one another on the back. It is an amazing thing when we get in circles like that. We call it groupthink. Groupthink just agrees on the same things and disagrees on the exact same things. And if you step out of line to group, bow, they just smack you back into shape and make sure that you get in alignment with their singular view on everything in life. We want to be clear that the only think that we are convicted by and we are persuaded by is that of the Holy Spirit, the direction that the Holy Spirit places in us through his word into our lives and convicts and shapes us. Listen, I know some of you are engineers. Others of you are creatives and you look at the engineer and the creative and you say, how can these two worlds coincide? You've got someone who's highly structured and spreadsheet driven and very analytical. And then you have someone who is a wildcat. They're just wild and bizarre. They wake up late, they sleep in, they party, they have all this fun. They just think they come up with things they don't prepare. And how can these two coincide? It's really not a question of, how we as men coincide with one another, or how we tolerate one another. But as brothers, I think about what Ananias said to Paul or to Saul. Do you remember that when he laid hands on Saul? He said, brother Saul, brother, brother Saul. He, he might have wanted to think since God revealed to Ananias beforehand <laughs> that, you know, Saul is going to see how much God wants him to suffer for him's sake. Maybe Ananias was thinking, Brother Saul, better you than me. 
<laughs> we, you know, I don't want to carry your burden. Well, wait a second. We may not carry another's burden, but rest assured, trials are coming, whether you've come out of them or whether you're heading into one. But you're never really on spiritual vacation for very long at all. Almost no vacation at all. God moves us from one condition to the next because he is developing and strengthening and building us both vertically and in depth into the ground, strong roots planted in God's word so that you know who you are. So that when you face that new battle, you're strong enough to stand. We're not always called to fight and beat up and, and get stronger muscles and endure this battle. Not without God. We can't do anything outside of the Lord in and of our own selves. So let me begin this study with someone the scripture has defined as the unknown servant, the no name. How would you like to make scripture and not even have your name mentioned? I mean, like, Lord, could you have Egypt in there that doesn't refer to the country? <laughs> I mean, could it be Egypt, like Egypt McKee, you know, your, your good and faithful servant? Uh, eh, no, it's going, we're going to stick with the country, Egypt. Okay, so I've, I've had to endure that as well. But maybe at some point we'll see our lives revealed through an unknown servant. Listen, God both defines and prescribes leadership for us in 1 Samuel. I love it. Chapter 16, verse 18 says, then one of the servants, one of the servants answered and said, Look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Now, you want to talk about a calling card, a calling card of someone who is the pitch man for someone before that someone gets into an opportunity where his life will become legendary in scripture. We're talking about you stepping out on a limb as an ally and actually being the pitch man for someone else. When was the last time you've done that? I mean, really think about that for a second. We've, we've been asked before, in most cases, to be a reference for someone else. And being a reference is really a, a, a an indication that we get prepared so that we know how to talk about a person and we talk them up and how wonderful they are and they literally walk on water after we've given our reference in the job placement interviewer or pre-screener, you know, walks away with this uh, unbelievable response that, oh, we are hiring the right person because this this referral, this reference, this professional or personal reference just brought the heat. This person, we, we're finding a gold mine. Well, this is very different. This is a man who actually presented to King Saul. And when you think about it, he not put just his life on the line. If David had turned out to be uh, a, a bad thing, maybe David wasn't quite what he was pitching. Maybe he would get on the job and fail. That would reflect very poorly on the unknown servant. And if that did happen, I, I, I venture to say he might have gone from the unknown servant to a named servant <laughs> simply because of the mess up. And a lot of times we don't vouch for or represent another or speak as an ally by putting our own reputation on the line for others who didn't even ask for the referral. So this is an interesting thing when you look 
at what happens outside the boundaries of our understanding. And I wonder what's happening right now, this very moment, that someone's saying something excellent about you to someone else that you don't even know exists because they've not asked your permission, but they're talking you up and they're boasting about the things that really are honorable. And when you look at this list, skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person. Wow, that's a nice little ass. I mean, by the way, he's handsome. <laughs> and most importantly, the Lord is with him. You know, Genesis 41, 9 through 13 speaks all the way back about the cupbearer before Pharaoh. It says, finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imposed us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Wow. When you go back in scripture and you look at the power of what happened at that time when Joseph was imprisoned, he very easily could have gotten bitter and angry, but he, was, he remained faithful to God, so much so that even his oppressors, his enemies, could not remember him and the great things that God used him for in interpreting his dream in their dreams. And those dreams came out to be accurate. We, in the same way, when God deposits in us the memory or the thought of another to be presented to others without their permission, we should jump on that opportunity and do so. So keep in mind what we're going to discover here are three core things that we're going to discover here in this lesson. One, your allies matter. <laughs> really, really important, like-minded encouragers. Like-minded encouragers. Your skill set matters. This is really important that you practice your craft. Your skills are not meant just to be used for professional use, uh, for a business or a, a, a profit use. They're meant to glorify the kingdom of God. And your availability matters. Your availability always matters. The problem that we have with our availability is that we are not intentional creatures enough to create margin within our schedules. Margin? I barely have time to get to work. I barely have time to finish my break. I barely have time to meet deadlines. I barely have time to sit down with my wife and have a meal. I barely have time to go to my kids' games. I barely have time to, you know, we can fill in the barelys until the cows come home. But I got to tell you, we must be intentional to build margin in the unexpected encounters that we are going to have if we remain faithful to God. And guess what? You're going to have unexpected encounters whether you build them in or not, whether it's a flat tire or your car goes dead or, you know, your flight is delayed or, you know, we can go through a long laundry list of possibilities of what could interrupt your schedule and God can get your attention. You know, John 15, 15, I love this, says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. I love that. The Lord doesn't hold anything back. Jesus says, I now call you friends. I call you friends. Did you get that? 
we're not just servants or we're just followers or <laughs> dudes in the stands. <laughs> we're, just, we're just random guys. No, Jesus calls us friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, I got to tell you, there's nothing like family, family. And then there's really something special about those who are not a part of your bloodline in your immediate family that are friends that become even closer than being in your bloodline. That is an amazing thing. We are to hold and embrace and develop and encourage and build up those men so that we can sharpen iron with one another and we can be effective in the race that God's called us to. Which brings me to my first point. We can cultivate lasting relationships wherever we are. We can. We not only can, we must. We have to, guys. I mean, this is man to man here. We have to cultivate relationships where we are. Think about the village again. Everyone in the village doesn't like you. They don't like the things that you're good at or the things that you do all the time. It's great to feel good. I'll tell you, it feels good to feel good. Can we can I get an amen on that? It feels good to feel good. But sometimes you're not going to feel good. You still have an opportunity to develop and build a relationship with others that today may be in opposition to you, or you might find them a little bit abrasive in the way they talk or the way they carry themselves or the political affiliation that they have or the things that they seem to like that just irritate you and annoy you. But you know what? It's another opportunity. Life is not about us. It's the opportunity that God gives us to be a blessing to someone else. You know what? First Chronicles 4.10 reminds us, Jabez cried out to God, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I may be free from pain. And God granted his request. Does, does prayer get any more direct and simple than that? That's like the prayer that says, Lord, help. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> help. Amen. That's from the heart, the simplicity of saying, listen, Lord, here's where I am and I want to glorify you. Listen, there's an age old truth I, rem I remember from years ago. It goes like this. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. <laughs> Did you catch that? Integrity is core. It is key. It is a key sister-brother relationship to leadership. Leadership without integrity, it's an algebraic equation. It's an algorithm. Think about what that math equals. And I'm sure you can place someone's face that just superimposes right in front of your mind. Leadership minus integrity equals Ding. What is that? It's not good. It's not good. And many of us, that just might be us. Maybe we've got leadership that we've just not really demonstrated any level of integrity. We've kind of 
bent to the pressure of what's going on, maybe financially. Maybe we're in a sales background and you know what? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And you've never really thought about, yes, we can. What does that mean? That we can just do anything the customer's saying or the vendor's saying? No, you can't. No, that's not even realistic. Are you doing that for a commission or a broker's fee? Are you doing that because you think, but Lord, I got to put food on the table. The Lord is the author of that food. He's the author of the ground where that food came from. He's the author of our lives and he can provide all those things. Our integrity is not for sale. The scriptures say in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But the beginning action command is to be still. It's an interesting thing that happens when you are still. I know we live lives that are busy. We actually brag about our busyness. I got it. I got this to do. I got places to go, things to do, people to see. Her, 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 her. Okay, good for you. Good for me. It's always good to be able to do things. But how much time do I intentionally spend being still? I mean, really, when was the last time you heard the birds and really listened to them? When was the last time you listened for the shifts in the wind? When was the last time you just took a walk and were still in your mind? Yes, you're in movement, the body's moving, but you aren't thinking about the deadlines that you've got. You aren't thinking about the, the really bad phone call you've got to return and, and get into it with a sibling. You haven't, you're not thinking about you know, the, the pain of having to deal with a bill collector because you keep getting these phone calls. You're not the, you just remove those things, those distractions, and put them in their proper place. Put them on the altar of God so that He and He alone can adjust your spirit's condition so that you can see Him how He wants to be seen. Point number two, we can strengthen and expand our gifts and talents for God's glory. We can strengthen them. How do we do this? Well, that's pretty straightforward, by trusting and obeying God. How else can we do that? By trusting and obeying God <laughs> and serving others. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. Every good and perfect gift, the scripture says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He doesn't change and shift and kind of tweak and reinvent himself. He is the Lord. He was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Believe it and receive it, or you can doubt and do without. It's that simple. Therefore, my friends, Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This ought to be at the top of our mission statement when we get out of bed, Lord, help me to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Not the kind of fear that causes you to run away and hide, the kind of fear that is reverent. It is awe. It is awestruck of God's mighty, gracious, divine, holy purpose and presence running directly to Him. My third point. We can lead a lifestyle with margin to serve others. This is intentional. The word margin, we've got to carve some margin on the front end. You can't wait to the end of the day and say, 
well, I think I've got five extra minutes I can spin on the phone with you now. Hurry up and get to your point because you know all your pain and your whining and your complaining is kind of annoying. Now get to the point. You see, we have been conditioned and trained by media, by social media, by uh, deadlines, so much so that we want information, we want it now. We don't really listen effectively as we should be listening. We've got to stop wasting our lives as men and really invest in the real understanding of what God's Word requires stillness before we can get into action and activity. And in doing so, one of the greatest things you can do is create a battle plan. I wonder as men, do you have a battle plan? Do you know what a battle plan is? You know, military leaders don't just go to war and just decide, you know what, yeah, we'll send over some ships, some tanks, and some planes, and some bombs, and we'll just do, yeah, I figure we'll do that, and we'll just, and it ought to, it ought to fix it. it. You plan to infinite detail where you're going into battle, knowing where your enemies are, knowing where innocents are, knowing what the rules of engagement are, knowing what type of environment God's placed you in, for, so that you can be effective for the kingdom of God as a man of God. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. This is an amazing thing. God reminds us, you weren't made for you. I didn't create you for you. And he says the same for me. I am no different. I am you. I am right there with you. We are making life what God wants us to be for his glory on this earth. So let me circle back to bring us to home plate. Home plate. God's men are not always easily known. And everybody knows that. You know why? Because it's an amazing thing how many men seem to be hidden when in fact they're not hidden. It's just they're not on the front of the stage. So they don't carry a big celebrity like brand and bravado and, oh, I know this person by name. I know them by speech. I know them by mannerisms. I know them by how many books or their tour. I know them how many touchdown passes they threw. I know them how many championship rings they have. I know them by how many billions of dollars they've made. People are known by the things that they do, but you know what? God's men are not always easily known. So being that guy, you want to be that guy? That might mean that God's men understand that everyone was created by God with a divine purpose of having relationships with Him and others, which means your allies matter. Make sure you know who your allies are and cultivate those relationships. Also being that guy means that God's men understand that He is the giver of gifts and talents, which are used to advance His kingdom. God gives those. Your skill set matters. He's not wasting your skill set. You're not an electrician. You're, you're a Christ follower. You're a man of God who gets to be an electrician or gets to be a physician or gets to be a, a financial officer or gets to be a banker who gets to be a race car driver. Whatever your vocation is, that's not who you are. Those are the things you do. Being that guy also means that God's men understand that being intentional results in margin and a sense of readiness to serve others. Your availability matters. You know, this is similar to uh, uh, what I described in the last lesson about the jump rope and the double dutch. It's the anticipation, always anticipating an opportunity to engage. But your timing has to be right. You don't just walk in. The rope will smack you in the head and the ankles and it, and it doesn't feel good. And you, 
we, we break up the rhythm, we break up the timing. God's got a very specific timing for your engagement. Well, listen, I had a great time. I hope you did. And I hope that the Lord spoke something very specific to you. Maybe you've taken some notes and you'll go back and read over those things again. And you'll look at them and say, Lord, how will you use me today? If that's you, I'll be praying for you and trusting that you'll come and join me again in the next lesson as we go ahead and wrap up this series. But before we do so, I'd like to say, listen, if you'd like to know more about me or maybe even get information on booking me to be a guest speaker uh, in your event, I'd love to. Please feel free to contact me at the information we provided for you here below the screen. And before we check out today, I just want to say this. Thank you. Thank you for hanging in and hanging on. As men, we're doing this together. And uh, leadership is a very important mission critical aspect of how God's created us. Now let's go out and lead the world right to the throne of grace. So let me close out with you in prayer. I want to thank you for being here today. Father God, I just want to thank you for the men who have chimed in today. Listen to the words that I've spoken. I pray that you'd go before them, go around them, go beneath them, go above them, strengthen them, encourage them, open their eyes, give them eyes to see and ears to hear, feet to move, hands to be swift, and a mouth to speak the truth when called upon. We give you thanks. Bring us back again that we may continue the series and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for being here. I look forward to seeing you in the next lesson. But until then, be encouraged.